on DAB Plus, online, via the TalkSport app, and on your smart speaker. EFL Fan Network on TalkSport 2. Welcome to the Fan Network Show on TalkSport 2, a brand new show for all of you fans who love your EFL football. I'm your host, Justin Beattie, and every week I'll be discussing all of the biggest talking points, news and views from around the Football League with the most important people, you, the fans. TalkSport has created a home for club-dedicated podcasts, the TalkSport Fan Network. These are podcasts made by the fans for the fans so that every supporter can hear about the latest stories from their club. These podcast hosts will join me each week and discuss the biggest stories from their club. If you like what they're saying, then make sure you give their podcast a listen. This evening, we'll discuss Huddersfield's decision to sack Darren Moore. Was it the right call? And who should the Terriers replace him with? Matt Shaw from Andy Takes That Chance will join us to discuss that very subject. We'll also be joined by James Mappin from Wednesday Till I Die to get the latest on the Owl's quest for championship safety. Can Coventry City go one better this season and reach the promised land of the Premier League? Matt Trutwin from Sky Blues Extra gives us his verdict on their season so far. Finally, we'll preview our big game of the weekend as West Brom host Birmingham City in a big Midlands derby. Can the Blues spring a surprise on the baggies? We'll discuss that with the Albion Analysis and Blues Focus podcasts later on. Lots to get through over the next hour. This is the EFL Fan Network right here on TalkSport 2. I'm Justin Beatty. glad to have you with us over the next hour. It's transfer deadline day, so plenty of clubs are looking to get deals done before the window slams shut, and we have a number of EFL topics to get stuck into, so let's start with Huddersfield Town Search for a new manager. The Terriers sacked Darren Moore this week after achieving only three wins in 23 matches as potential relegation to League One looms. So what next? Owner Kevin Nagel said only two weeks ago that Darren Moore wasn't going anywhere. Now he's been sacked. Will we see a quick replacement or a longer recruitment process to find the right manager? Happy to say I'm joined by Matt Shaw from the Anti Takes That Chance who can give us his verdict on Darren Moore's sacking. So Matt, what were your expectations for Huddersfield under Darren Moore at the beginning of the season? I think it was just to slowly build on on what had happened uh, with Neil Warnock, uh, who took us to safety, as, as everyone saw. And then we knew it would be quite tough and it'd be a little bit rocky, I think, because the, the work we did over the summer wasn't particularly great. We let more players go than came in. We didn't particularly sign many. That strength in the first 11, Bergsorg, is, is decent at times, but... Um, so we knew it would be quite tough, but I think we we expected a, a building process, a, a plan in place, and um, and it never really happened, to be honest. Do you think Moore should have been sacked sooner, or is the timing right that he's gone now? Um, it's it's hard to say, really. Um, with Darren, you kind of want to give him every opportunity to succeed. You know, he's he's a great guy, um, very likable, but um, it just wasn't working. And I think they tried to give him every opportunity. Um, for it to work there's, there's there's always been mitigating factors uh since he came in there was he came in and there was the huge injury list uh, straight away we, and we've had pretty much between 10 and 13 players out injured since darren moore came in it looked like at christmas time it may turn the 3-0 win against blackburn was really good that's the best performance we had under darren moore and then the architect for that uh bergsorg uh delana bergsorg uh got taken out uh, in that game and he's been missing ever since and it just feels like 
he could never catch a break and it would never, it just never felt, it just felt like it was, it was never meant to be. But to be honest, I never felt like Darren Moore was the right fit for us from the start. Um, and I just don't think, um, yeah, I just, I just don't think he was the correct fit to be honest, Justin. Um, and it just, it seemed doomed from the start, if I'm honest. So he didn't feel like the, the right fit, but ultimately where did it not go right for Darren Moore? Would you say? I don't think the squad was particularly great uh, for him. We, we needed somebody who could make the team better than the sum of their parts, if you like. And I never really got that with Darren Moore. He always seems very system oriented. You know, you, you do you fit into what I want rather than the other way around. And we needed somebody who could take two or three players in that team and build the team around them in you know in sort of lightning, lightning in a in a bottle, if you like, just for a couple of months, just to get the points on the board and. He did. I don't think he really wanted to do that. I think he wanted to build a system uh, and we just didn't have the players to do it. And I think sometimes managers need to be a little bit more savvy with what they've got. Uh, and um, I don't think Darren ever tried that. And the January transfer window came and the, the club put a lot of money in. Uh, I think there's four or five million that they've spent in, the sum, in, in this window. Uh, and things didn't improve. And there was a run of games whereby I think we all looked at it uh, we had four games. We've got four games, you know, Plymouth, Blackburn, uh, QPR and Sheffield Wednesday on Saturday. And I think we kind of looked at that and went, well, he needs eight or nine points really from this. And we sat with three after three games and it just, you know, the, the last minute equaliser against QPR, you just saw that and we deserve to win the game. But it was just another one of those things where Mikel Hellick's gone off injured in that game and the ball goes into an area where Mikel Hellick will be heading that clear and it's the sub on for his debut, who's uh, who's kind of got under the ball and, and QPR have scored. And it's just little things like that that just never went for him. And I think most of it was bad luck and, and some of it was bad planning on his part as well. And he, I think one thing that people have always sort of labelled with Darren Moore is he, he's not great at changing the flow of a game, you know, with substitutions. And we saw that a lot with he, he kind of sat and, and watched rather than, rather than proactively went on the front foot to try and alter and win games. So you're going into your next match with a caretaker manager. Would you have expected a replacement to be waiting in the wings to take over immediately? I did, to be honest, yeah. Um, I thought they would have a good idea of of a succession plan because it's not it's not something that's come out of the blue, to be honest. I think it's always kind of been bubbling. Well, it's been bubbling for a month or so. Um, so I, I did expect them to have a good idea of, of what would be next. I expected them just to go straight for Paul Heckingbottom, if I'm honest. I, I felt like he would be the next one. They may still do. Um, but they look like they want to interview 10, 11, 12 people and, and take as much time over possible uh, as possible um, and, and get it right. And there's not a lot of time till the end of the season. So it's I'm not sure it's the time to take your time, really. You need to get someone in and, and points on the board. Mm. Yeah. So what sort of names are being rumoured as the next manager and who would you personally like to see come in? The person I want to come in would never happen in a million years. It's the, <laughs> as a German manager, I absolutely love over in the Bund, you know, that is managed in the Bundesliga in the second tier of the Bundesliga, um, called Stefan Baumgart, who um, I really wanted to be Huddersfield manager when David Wagner left. Um, but unfortunately, it seems that he may he may have sailed a bit too close to uh, the Bundesliga wind, if you like, and he's probably a bit too good for us now. Um, and he doesn't speak English apparently, so that that's probably going to kibosh that. But the the ones that are rumoured are usually at the minute just the, just the usual merry-go-round ones that we've seen in the Championship. You know, we've got uh, Heckingbottom, John Eustace, um, 
Alex Neal, the, the, the usual names really going around. I, I kind of feel like I wouldn't mind a Gary Rowett or something to the end of the season to keep us safe. I think that would be a, a smart move, but I don't think Gary Rowett would just come into the end of the season and then allow us to go forward in a different direction. It just, I don't think we're, we're a, a big enough attraction for that. And again, that'd be like 17 man, uh, sorry, sorry, it feels like 17, but seven managers <laughs> a couple of seasons. And that just, it's just too much. And we need, we need to get it right. We need stability. Um, but I'm not sure the merry-go-round options really fit with, they either fit with a short-term vision of staying up or the long-term vision without the staying up. And I think it, it, there's a balance that needs to be struck and it's, um, it's going to be a tough one. So, so not big Sam then. Not big Sam. <laughs> He's an ex-Uddersfield player. There's some great stories from Big Sam playing for Uddersfield, but I'm not sure. I, I don't know. He would keep us up probably till the end of the season, but I don't think he would He would come unless we threw a lot of money at him and gravy. <laughs> so how big is your next match against Sheffield Wednesday on Saturday? It's huge. It's it's a must-not-lose again, like QPR. Um, we've got the advantage, if you like, of, of being ahead of QPR and Sheffield Wednesday in the league. So a defeat would be... Probably more um, worrying for them than us, uh, but it, it, it's worrying for both. You know, we, we can't really afford to lose this game. It's Every game's getting bigger uh, because it, it, we really looked at this run of games because of what's coming after, and what's coming after is Southampton, it's Leeds, it's, it's all the teams towards the top, and we probably won't pick up a lot of points there. So the worry is that... If we don't, if we don't lose to, if we if we lose to Sheffield Wednesday on Saturday, okay, we might not be in the bottom three Saturday, but in a month's time after playing these teams, we could be three, four, five points behind them, and that's the worry. Really, is that it's it's what's coming up after Sheffield Wednesday, where whereby we may we may come a bit unstuck. So with with that in the horizon, on the horizon, the Sheffield Wednesday game becomes bigger. So three points against Sheffield Wednesday would keep us afloat and in the mix come the end of the tough run of games that we've got in February and March. So big question then, how do you think Huddersfield can avoid relegation this season? It's it's on the manager, isn't it? It's, it's it, They've got to get the managerial appointment right. I mean, uh, if if they're looking, I mean, if they, if they get a, a Rowett, a Warnock or Big Sam, if you like, if they get somebody like that who can just see us through to the summer, then it's fine. But I'm I, just reading the... Uh, blurb from the club it doesn't look like they want to do that they kind of want a short-term and long-term fix and I'm not always convinced that that's possible um so we'll we'll see but it, it's on the manager they've got to get this decision right otherwise it's um it could be league one football next year Matt it's been great to speak to you again just remind everyone where they can find your podcast and he takes that chance yeah www.takesthatchance.com and we're on all the socials as well at takes that chance Superb, mate. Thanks very much for coming on the EFL Fan Network. It's been great speaking to you. This is the EFL Fan Network on TalkSport 2. Well, we've just discussed Huddersfield hopes of survival this season. And next, we'll hear all about their opponents this weekend. James Mappin from the Wednesday Till I Die podcast joins us to look ahead to the game and analyse the Owls' chances of championship survival as well. That's coming up after the break, right here on TalkSport 2. On DAB Plus, online, via the TalkSport app and on your smart speaker. EFL Fan and network on Talk Sports 2.
Welcome back to the EFL Fan Network on TalkSport 2 with me, Justin Beattie. Plenty still to come as we hear about Coventry City's playoff push. And we'll also look ahead to this weekend's big Midlands derby between West Brom and Birmingham City as well. But first, let's continue to look at that ongoing fight for championship survival from a Sheffield Wednesday perspective. The Owls sit 23rd in the table, five points from safety. But is it already too late? Let's get the thoughts of James Mappin from the Wednesday Till I Die podcast, who joins us now. So, James. After an amazing playoff comeback and promotion last season, how much of a shock was it that Darren Moore wasn't given a shot at managing the Owls in the championship? Yeah, it was a it was a huge shock. It feels like a lifetime away. A lot has happened since uh, since the summer, even though it was you know uh, what six months away or whatever it was. Um, yeah, he. I think he kind of split the fan base somewhat during his time at Sheffield Wednesday. Um, I was very much a fan of his. I thought he was doing a, an excellent job with, you know, limited funds and everything. Um, and obviously, you know, the the miracle of Hillsborough beating Peterborough in the way that we did and and then go to Wembley and, and everything that happened there, you know, last minute header from Josh Windass to, to get us back into the championship. I thought that he, he, he kind of fully deserved a crack at the, at the championship and, you know, um, was he going to get us to the playoffs or anything like that? Probably not, but I, I certainly think that he would have been able to to finish, you know, mid-table easily. You know, the the kind of camaraderie between the between the players and that kind of you know everyone kind of wanting to work together and obviously doing what they've done would have kind of carried us through. Um, and you see a lot of that in in football. You know, not it's not always the the skill level or the or the better players it's sometimes just the the work ethic and and coming together and having that that kind of you know um knowledge between each other and, and everything to to actually get you through sometimes and that that sometimes shine, shines through and i think we would have had that um obviously what happened i'm sure we'll get onto it just kind of did a, yeah, exactly the opposite and it almost didn't feel like that had happened in the summer uh, in terms of you know get, winning against peterborough and winning against uh, Barnsley at Wembley. Obviously, we've we've been to Wembley um, once before against Hull. Um, I'm sure you remember a few years back that was obviously to get into the Premier League. So you know we've been on both sides, and it was it was just great to to be on the on the winning side for once. But yeah, I, I, I was. It came as a shock uh, more than anything that he'd. Uh, I, I don't want to say sacked. So I don't think he was sacked. I think he, he just left mutually um but obviously you know things have happened since <laughs> we don't quite know what exactly happened well well talking about what's happened since what were the expectations for Sheffield Wednesday under Zisco Munoz um Joe you know what the chairman came out and said that he wants to get playoffs which I think was absolutely ludicrous um I think for for me as a as a fan out I, I just wanted us to stabilize in in the championship you know uh, a normal season would have been fantastic. You know, we'd had two seasons in the playoffs in, in League One. We had a relegation before that uh, with, with a points deduction. Uh, everything just seemed to be be happening. And, um, you know, we didn't really have any just a, I don't want to call Stoke out for being boring, but, you know, a, a season like Stoke where you just finish mid-table. Um, we haven't had that for, for ages, it seems. And that's that's all I wanted, just to kind of bumble along, you know, win a few games, lose a few games, no real drama uh, and it just be, you know, nice just to go to the football and watch some better teams play than, than we have done in the past couple of couple of years. Um, 
you know, it was a bit of an unknown. Um, I think everyone, as when a new manager comes in, uh, I'm sure being a Watford fan, you uh, you think you're the same. Um, oh, we know all about that, mate. Don't worry about that. Yeah. Yeah. When a new manager comes in, you, you you give them the benefit of the doubt. You always you know you always want to set off on a on a good footing, and you know we, we looked to to when Cisco was at Watford and got you into the Premier League, and you think you know what he's 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 done it there. You know why can't he he do something similar with Sheffield Wednesday or at least you know do okay with us um and yeah that was the expectation when he came in I, th- I don't think he had we had a lot of expectation uh but we certainly didn't think that it was going to pan out in the way that it did so what are the main differences that Danny Rollers made to the team for me he's just given the team that whole belief that that they can do it you know and I know obviously as we sit and record this we're in the January transfer window you know it's coming to a close um but up until that point, you know, the, the players that he had were exactly the same players that Cisco Munoz had to work with. Um, all right, he brought Danny Kadamatri in from the uh, from the youth team and, you know, he, he promoted him through the ranks and and he scored a few goals. So that's perhaps, you know, one slight difference, although Kadamatri was still still there when Cisco was there. Um, but yeah, like I said, I think it's just, it's just the belief that, it, that he's instilled into the players that, that, they can, that they can do it. Obviously, it's been a whole different style of play change didn't quite work at the start but they just weren't fit enough um, you could easily see that it, they were getting to 60 minutes and they were blowing um whereas whereas now you know he's been in for you know quite a while now uh, relatively speaking and and you can see that the fitness levels have, have massively improved you know a lot of goals late on you know um and we're actually playing on the front foot we'll we'll press or we'll at least try to press anyway if we if we can um and and yeah, a lot of running. You know, got some fast, fast wingers that he's now utilising, which we weren't doing before. And I think as well, just um, playing players in the correct positions. You know, we had Lee Gregory playing out on the wing when we played Leeds. Um, that Cisco Munoz had done, and <clears throat> that wasn't down to injuries or anything like that. I've just no idea what it was down to. Um, and we're not doing any of that anymore. Uh, and we seem to, you know, just seem to be more together and, and bringing that togetherness back that we seem to have lost after the summer. So what are the three things that need to happen in order to ensure Sheffield Wednesday survival in the championship, would you say? Uh, like I said, we're recording this in the transfer window on deadline day. Um, a few signings today would be absolutely fantastic. Um, a, a goal scorer. I mean, yeah. Everyone wants a goal scorer. Everyone seems to have at least someone that scores goals, but we we don't. I think our leading goal scorer is on four at the moment, um, which it's just not enough when we're over halfway through the season. We've scored the least amount of goals in the league. Um, you know, a lot of that's obviously attributed to to when Cisco was here and we'd not won a game in I think it was thirteen in the end. You know, even after he'd left, he you know he'd not won a he'd not won a competitive game in ninety minutes whilst he was there. So that that doesn't help, of course. But but yeah, we we need a goal scorer desperately. Um, I think. <laughs> Secondly, uh, we need to, I think as a fan base, just believe we only need to be, you know, the fourth worst team in the league. We've got to remember that, you know, to, to survive into next season. And that would be a, a massive achievement. And I think we, like I said, as, as a fan base, we just have to remember, you know, realise that, you know, Rotherham are below us. We've got QPR just above us. And then we've got Uddersfield who we, who we play on Saturday, which is going to be a massive, massive game. Um, you yeah. know, as it stands at the moment, we just need to be better than QPR and Huddersfield of between now and the end of the season and, and fingers crossed that'll be enough to to stay up. So, you know, you know, we, when we play the likes of Southampton and Leicester and Leeds, um, that's not our battle to, to choose. You know, <clears throat> the, 
the actual the season's not defined on on going to those places and and picking up three points. It's playing the teams that are around you, um, and you know picking your points up away from home and and winning your games at home as well. Um, the FA Cup could be a nice little distraction. Obviously, we've got the the replay in that one and a a favourable tie in the next round, let's say, against uh, Maidstone, <laughs> if we can get past Coventry, which, you know, sick of playing Coventry. We've played them three times uh, already this season. Yeah. It will be a fourth. Yeah. Um, but, but yeah, that could be a welcome distraction. And thirdly, we just need to stick to get, like, in, in terms of the, the the way that we're playing, just carry on doing what we're doing. So I think we're, we're massively outperforming the, the results. Um, a lot of games, you know, if you want that looks at all the XG and things like that, you know, when, and all the, those other metrics, which I know Danny Roll does, um, like I said, we, we should be, we should have got more points than we actually have. I think it's one of those things where over, over a longer period, if you continue to do that, the points will start to come. We will mm. pick up some shock results against some, some better teams. We might not beat some teams that are down near the bottom, but if we can carry on playing, how we're playing and not get sucked into, you know, playing a different style of football, I think and I hope we'll be all right. So how confident are you of being all right or is relegation inevitable, would you say? I'm probably 60-40 in favour oh. of staying up. Um, yeah. That's half just, full, right? Yeah, well, it's yeah, over exactly. it's, it's over half full, yeah. It just, just in the, all right, the gap is five points at the moment. Look, talk to me next week after we've played after played Huddersfield, and I could be totally different because yeah. it could swing massively either way. You know that it could be eight points the gap. I mean, Huddersfield were beating QPR at the weekend. They conceded a ninety fifth minute equaliser, um, and at that point the gap would have been would have been eight points. Obviously, we would have had a game in hand still, but at that point, you're, I were looking and thinking eight points. All right, game in hand, but that is a that is a massive. Uh, a massive gap and the games are, uh, you know, are rapidly running out as it happened. Like I said, they conceded a goal. It was six. We drew yesterday. That's that. That means it's five. We play them on Saturday. It could be two, you know, the, if it gets to that stage, then it's, 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 you know, it, it's all in, in the balance really. And there's still a lot of football left to go. So yeah, I'm trying to be, I'm trying to be optimistic. I don't want to, I can't come in and say we've got to be realistic and, but then also be optimistic at, at the same time. And then also yeah. tell us that, that we're going to get relegated because that doesn't really work like that, does it? All right, mate. Well, finally, where can we find the Wednesday till I die podcast? Yeah, we're on all, uh, all the major podcasting platforms. Just search for uh, the Wednesday till I die podcast. And, you know, we've got episodes every single Monday that you can listen to just uh, a general chat about the game go off on a few tangents as well of course but yeah it's just search for the wednesday till i die podcast superb james thanks very much for coming on the efl fan network up next we'll be talking all things coventry city as the sky blues push for the premier league matt trutwin from the sky blues extra will give us his thoughts on their season so far stay with us right here on Talksport 2 on dab plus online via the Talksport app and on your smart speaker, EFL Fan Network on TalkSport 2. Welcome back to the EFL Fan Network on TalkSport 2 with me, Justin Beatty. Shortly, we'll be looking ahead to our big game of the weekend. 
in the championship. But first, let's discuss the playoff race and Coventry City's part in it. Fresh after the playoff final heartbreak last season, the Sky Blues are looking to reach the promised land of the Premier League. And after a host of new signings, Mark Robbins has got his side back in the hunt. Let's now get the thoughts of Matt Trutwin from the Sky Blues Extra podcast, who joins us now. You're currently sitting in sixth position. How confident are you of another run in the playoffs this season? At the minute, relatively confident. I think looking at the table, there's obviously a lot of teams still in the mix, um, but nothing really to suggest that we can't replicate what we did last season. Obviously, a little bit of a different situation. We kind of timed our run very well towards the end of the season uh, last time around. This time, we're, we're up there a little bit earlier, so we've got to kind of sustain where we are. I think the key for us is around injuries. Uh, we haven't got the biggest squad, although we've got a lot more talent, I would suggest, and strength and depth in our match day uh, 18. So it would be good to see us um, you know, go through the rest of the season with minimal amount of injuries. We've obviously just lost Benchy for, for a few weeks, but if we can obviously maintain and, and not lose too many people over or, or more players over the remainder of the season, then we should be up there challenging. What difference has losing Victor Yorker has made to the team? We've had to really change our whole approach when it comes to from an attacking perspective. He really was the outlet. And, and obviously Gus Hamer has been a big part of that as well. But we really played into those two um, pretty much 90% of what we did from an attacking presence was was based around those two players so we've had to adapt we've obviously had to bring a lot of players in and obviously we struggled towards the start of the season whilst those new faces were were bedding themselves in so it's a lot more I guess varied in terms of the attacking options for us now we haven't got one standout player scoring all of our goals but we've got a threat from a number of areas around the pitch and you see the likes of Sakamoto Right, um, even Sheaf and, and O'Hare themselves from midfield are, are chipping in with goals. Where we struggled a little bit is actually getting goals from that more central striker position. But um, because we've got more of a threat around the pitch, then we've um, we, we've been able to, I guess, cover the the massive loss that we've seen as a result of obviously losing Yokeres. It's approaching seven years since Mark Robbins returned as manager of Coventry. How instrumental could he be towards another push for promotion this season? I mean, he is the the, the be, be all and end all for us really as Coventry right. City fans we we can afford to lose certain players you know we can afford to lose Giocarez as we've seen we've been able to I guess manage and maintain with that loss and Hamer who I know a lot of Coventry fans will probably talk to talk about as importantly as Giocarez but losing Robbins for us would be a, a massive blow you see the amount of I guess, turmoil or uh, indifference with a lot of other clubs who go through a lot of managers over a short period of time and in, in trying to get themselves back on track. So for us, that stability has been massive. Um, yeah, it's very much a case of trusting Robbins, even earlier on this season when we were struggling. Maybe other clubs probably are at a point where they would have looked to have made changes when it comes to the managerial position. But for us, I'd say... 95%, maybe there were a few voices that were, were a little bit critical, but 95% of the fan base was still very much, you know, Robbins was the man for us. And, and obviously a lot of what he said to us at that time was patience, it will come good. And um, when you're, you're losing quite regularly, it, it's it's hard to hear that. But because we have that faith in him, we were, you know, maybe a little bit more receptive to what he said then in other situations. And, and obviously it's proved to be the case over the last two months. As fans, do you consider it to be a quiet transfer window when the closest thing to a rumour is a smirk from Mark Robbins? 
Yeah, his smirks have become quite famous over the last couple of years. Um, yeah, look, I mean, we've talked about this on on our own podcast recently, and um, probably it was more a case of not losing players being the main thing for us versus having to having to bring a lot of new faces into the club. So we've brought in Torp in centre midfield. I think that was the main area where people were thinking we needed to address. Obviously, we'd lost Hamer in the summer. Um, quite late in the summer as well and we hadn't really done too much to address that so bringing him in was a, a big deal for us because we needed cover in that area and obviously with losing Sheath now for a certain period of time it will only prove to be more so but more than anything I, I think it was a case of not losing players I think the one thing for us is obviously as I say we haven't got the biggest club uh, biggest squad overall so as long as we can maintain and, and not lose too many people uh, from here on out for, for, for injuries, then we, we should be absolutely fine. But it's we're kind of in a bit of a balance, to be honest with you. We, we, we're really strong in terms of our match day squad, but once you go beyond that, it's um, it's a little bit worrying. So we're, we're kind of covered in every area. But if we were to have a couple of injuries, that's when it might become a bit more dicey. Well, let's hear what Sky Blues boss Mark Robbins had to say after his side's draw with Bristol City this week. With so many teams in the playoff hunt, he admits you can't be at your best all the time as they now prepare to face Norwich on Saturday. Other teams will hit patches like we've had tonight. You know, people will... It can't happen all the time when you play at your top level. You can't. And the fact that we ended up getting a point from the game is, is a positive. So we'll come through this bit and then we'll, we'll go to another difficult place to go. Uh, on Saturday and we've got to improve our previous uh, performances when we've been at Carrow Road so it's going to be a really good game and one we'll, we'll look forward to. That was Coventry City's manager Mark Robbins adamant that his side need to improve ahead of their trip to face the Canaries this weekend. How can Coventry improve in the match against Norwich and how do you see it going? Yeah it's a tricky one I, looking at the teams below us who, who might be a threat going into the top six I would suggest Norwich are one of the, the bigger threats to us Um We've done quite well on the road this season. I think for us, it actually does fit into our our strengths as a team. You know, where we struggled, actually, where we had that run of four losses, we dominated possession in a lot of those games. So it, it's not going to be the worst thing for us to maybe press, allow Norwich to hold the ball and try and win the ball back and break at pace. Um, so that's what I'd hope to see us do uh, against Norwich. But it's a difficult game. Obviously, not too long ago, they were a Premier League side and they've still got remnants of players at, at that at that level. So a difficult game for us. Um, I don't massively think that we need to improve. I think the big thing for us is obviously accounting for that loss of Ben Sheaf, who I've already mentioned a few times. It is going to be a big loss for us. You know, people have talked about the potential of Torp going in. He looks a good player in the limited time that we've seen him so far, but a different kind of player. So it's about the balance, the two central midfielders. You know, do we go with Latibodier, who maybe is a little bit more defensive, um, or Torp, who, who might offer a little bit more moving forward, but we obviously a little bit more susceptible to, um, to being caught then. So finally, Matt, uh, where can we find Sky Blue's extra podcast? On all major platforms, we're on Spotify and obviously we're very prevalent on Twitter as well. So, um, yeah, anything you, you want to know about Coventry City, we're the, we're the channel to go to. 
Matt Trutwin from Sky Blues Extra, thank you very much for coming on. This is the EFL Fan Network on TalkSport 2. Coming up next, we'll preview our big game of the weekend as West Brom host Birmingham City. Nothing better than a local derby. And these two teams want a vital three points for very different reasons. We'll look ahead to it with both camps next. On DAB Plus, online, via TalkSport app and on your smart speaker. EFL Fan Network on TalkSport 2. Welcome back to the EFL Fan Network on TalkSport 2 with me, Justin Beatty. It's time now for us to look ahead to the big game of the weekend in the Championship. Nothing better than a local derby and this weekend, West Brom welcome Birmingham City to the Hawthorns as the Baggies look to fight off the chasing pack in the playoff race. Let's hear from both camps now. Joining us from Albion Analysis is Chris Hall and for the Birmingham side of matters, we're joined by Sam Sheppey from Blues Focus. Chris, we'll start with you. West Brom are sitting fifth in the do you think you'll still be in that position in May? <laughs> oh, that's a million dollar question, isn't it? I, uh, um, I hope so. Uh, I, look, I, I think I, I think we're one of the best six teams in this division in terms of our manager, in terms of our starting 11, and that's a very important distinction to make. Um, and in terms of how well set up we are, I think I, I think we're a really, really good side. And I, and I, and I don't think... To be honest, if you know there wasn't things like fatigue and injuries in football, I actually don't think we'd be that far behind. We'd be miles behind Leicester because everybody is, but I don't think we'd be that far behind the Leeds and Southamptons of this world, to be honest with you. The problem is that injuries and fatigue are a factor, and so is so is the African Cup of Nations, as we're finding out at the moment as well. And it robs you of your players. You know, we've uh, we, we've basically ran the whole season with one centre forward in Brandon Thomas Asante because DK's been out injured. He's now feeling his way back. Every time Maja gets fully fit, he gets cruelly injured. And I do mean cruelly because both times they were they were pretty horrible challenges on him to to put him put him out. Um, and we've now brought in Callum Marshall from West Ham, who looks like a really really exciting nineteen year old. Um, with a phenomenal goal scoring record in Premier League too. So hopefully he can share a bit of the the, the goal scoring burden with um uh, with with Brandon but every time we get somebody in we lose somebody the other way. We've lost Jason Malumbi for pretty much the whole season now. Adam Reach is out for a few a few weeks as well. And inexplicably, where Democratic Republic of Congo weren't necessarily even expected to get out the group, they've they've now gone on a, uh, gone on a massive run in the Afcon, knocking out Mo Salah's Egypt. And now we haven't got Grady D in Ghana for for much much longer than we thought. So it, it it's a bit the Lord giveth, the Lord taketh away. In, in short. My answer to your question would be, yes. <laughs> if yeah, sorry, um, it's okay. it's okay. if if we can if we can get anywhere anything close to lucky with injuries or just not get too unlucky, hmm. yes. But the thing that scuppered us last season was losing just an inordinate amount of players, and and outside of probably Leicester, Southampton, and Leeds, nobody at this level can handle that. Let's turn to uh, Sam. Uh, you started the season with John Eustace as manager. Wayne Rooney was unsuccessfully brought in to replace him. And now Tony Mowbray's in charge. Take us through how these management changes have gone down with the Blues fans. Well, it's really been a season of two halves, isn't it? You look at it and the fact that we started the season with John Eustace. There was a lot of optimism and positivity with the um, new owners coming in, Knighthead Capital, lots of big ideas, new plans for the team. Um, 12 signings came in in the summer. And it looked like a really sort of promising start to the season as well. We had big wins against the likes of Leeds, 
uh, Bristol City. And then kind of that era came to an end with the 3-1 victory against West Brom. And then after that game, we decided to get rid of John Eustace, bring in Rain Rooney, which wasn't popular with the fans when the decision was made. And it went on to be, yeah, pretty much a disaster, which derailed our season. We sit 20th now and um, it's a big mountain to climb to sort of get back to where we were sort of round about that October mark. And um, yeah, the, the the change hasn't really gone down well with the fans. I mean, Tony Mowbray coming in now, lots of championship experience. He was really good at West Brom, got him up to the uh, Premier League played a good style of football there. And it looks to be now that he's trying to install that bit of confidence in the players because they lost a lot of confidence when Rooney was manager, where um, he was sort of telling the players to do stuff they didn't perhaps want to do and they weren't comfortable in doing either. But Mowbray's perhaps, you know, simplified it a little bit and then gone back to basics with some of the um, setups in the teams because it seemed to be that Rooney was changing formation every couple of games. We never really had a settled start in 11 either. But mm. now it looks like we're really trying to sort of implement this 4-2-3-1 style that Eustace did have, but make slight tweaks to it to perhaps make us more comfortable in possession. So the blueprint is kind of there from what Rooney wanted to go for with this whole possession attacking football. The board used the whole no fear football thing, which had been ridiculed for 24-7. But um, now it's really looking like, you know, there is a bit more stability at the club. And uh, with back-to-back wins against uh, Hull in the Cup and then Stoke in the league, uh, followed by the 3-0 defeat against Leicester. I mean, losing against Leicester, it's one of them things where if you lose against Leicester, you're not really disgraced by it because they are a very good side. But we created so many chances in that game and it just comes down to having that quality in the final third, which we didn't have and Leicester do have. But in terms of, you know, your opening question about the uh, fans' perceptions of Eustace and Rooney, positive for Eustace, not so much for Rooney and getting there under Mowbray. Chris, uh, West Brom have scored 40 goals in 28 league matches this season. What could help to increase that tally going forward? I mean, first of all, just just on what Sam's been talking about there, I don't know how on earth we managed to play you, Eustace's last game, and now we're playing you one of Mowbray's first games. We've somehow managed to dodge the the, the period of the season where you were completely susceptible to getting beat. And, <laughs> and we've, we've somehow managed to play the better version of Birmingham on both occasions. And, I mean, talk talk about sort of like walking under ladders and uh, and that sort of thing. You know, I, I am cursing our luck a little bit there because we seem like we've played Blues at completely the wrong time both times but I mean in terms of in terms of your question Justin I mean it's funny um because doing a podcast like Albion Analysis we 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 do focus a lot on the data and there's uh, there's an expression in the data world uh, called running hot and basically what that what that means is when you are massively overscoring your expected goals and there doesn't really seem to be any obvious explanation for it in in the numbers and that's what we were doing at the start of the season we massively overscored our expected goals it seemed like everything we hit was was going in we 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 we'd have maybe three shots a game and score two goals and now it's flipped the other way a little bit and we've we've actually we haven't scored our expected goals in any of the, our last seven league games so I mean, it was inevitable because you can't run as hot as we were running at the start of the season. But the fact of the matter is, as I said before, Brandon Thomas Asante is a really good player and he's overscored his XG this season. He's got an XG of 8.5. He scored nine goals. But he's he's been just asked to do it all on his own. He's already played more minutes this season than he played in the whole of last season because we've had no DK and no Maja. I mean, for, for a good sort of 10, 12 game period, um, Corbran rotated the two where uh, where sorry Brandon Thomas Asante would start one week, 
and DK would start the next. And even then, they the one starting would only play an hour and then come off for the last 30 minutes. So they, they constantly remained fresh. Mm. It's not really a surprise that, that, that Brandon's finishing has maybe dropped off a little bit as the season's gone. Because the, the kid must be exhausted, to be fair to him. You know, it's his first full season in the championship, and he's being asked to play every single week and carry the entire goal-scoring burden. So I think the thing that could change it is if Callum Marshall turns out to be what we all hope he is. Hmm. Um, and that is ready for this level. He's got three Northern Ireland caps already, despite not having not made his Premier League debut. He had a had a very a very marginally disallowed goal by VAR against Denmark on his debut. He, as I say, he smashed them in at Premier League two level, but he's also smashed them in at EFL level as well because he's played in the EFL Trophy for West Ham. So he's played against adults. Granted, it was Cheltenham, Bristol Rovers, and Colchester, and no disrespect to any of those teams, but they're not Championship quality. Mm. Um, but he scored three goals in four games in the EFL Trophy as well. So the signs are there that he's ready for the next step. If he is, it will take the burden off Brandon. It will also take the pressure off DK, who after three serious injuries is now trying to feel his way back and does not need to be rushed um, because the last thing we need is is DK to pick up another nasty injury. And if if we can do that and, ha- and end this season with three really decent strikers for this level... Marshall, as I say, being a young, unknown uh, um, product, but he could be a bit for us like what Jay Stansfield has been for Sam and Birmingham. Um, DK, who we know when he's fit, is an unbelievable finisher at this level. And Brandon, who, whilst not an out-and-out centre-forward, is a quality player and a nightmare for defences at this level. So I think I think if DK can stay fit... And if Marshall can make the step up, it will solve that problem. The problem at the moment, and the problem has been all season, that we've only had one of those and we've had to rely on Brandon all season. We'll come to some score predictions uh, in a moment. But before we do that, I'd like to come back to to Sam. How do you feel about Tom Wagner renaming the stadium to St Andrews at Knighthead Park? It's an interesting one. I think it's one of them ones where you sort of look at the naming of it and you go, oh, that's quite American, isn't it? You know, the whole at Nighthead Park thing. Yeah. Um, there's a lot of things that have been introduced to the club where it's been a bit, you know, Americanized with some of the sort of sayings they're coming out with. And then like Tom Brady joining as well with this whole, you know, speech that he gave when he um, became chairman of the advisory board. So I think the name change, it well, it's one of the things where as long as it generates money for the club, fans won't care that much because it's all for the positive and the right reasons. And I think that's what fans care about. They can see that the board are really going in the right direction with this club and Mm. are openly communicating, which is something that Birmingham fans have not seen in a very long time. So I think it's one of the things where on the grand scheme of things, changing this name to Nighthead Park shows that, you know, they have got ambition because this whole Nighthead Park thing, it's going to be a whole new complex, which they're planning to build. It's like this um, sports quarter that they pitched yesterday in this um, open statement they released on Twitter. And uh, it got a lot of fans excited about the future of the club. And I think this is one of the things where it is the start of the beginning of us really starting to be on the rise again because we've been so mismanaged over the years, sort of neglected, stayed in the championship for, I think this may be the 13th season running. So there is a lot to sort of aspire to. And I think with the whole stadium change, it shows that, you know, they're really trying to uh, make their sort of stamp on the club. And I think it is all changes for the positive uh, reasons in the right direction. So let's have a score prediction for Sunday's game then. We'll start with you, Sam. I I looked at West Brom's results in the championship and there tends to be a bit of a trend, actually, when West Brom do lose. I think the last four games, 
uh, they've lost in the championship they haven't scored in all four of them so that's like a bit of an interesting stat that I've seen but the problem is we don't keep clean sheets <laughs> so I don't think it's going to be a case where West Brom um, don't score in this game so I reckon we'll have to score two to win it um, I'm going to go for a draw actually I'll take a 2-2 two -two. I'll take a 2-2 two -two. okay yeah I bet yeah, you Chris um, I mean, it's interesting, Sam. The reason for that is simply because our record after conceding the first goal is appalling. We've taken two points after conceding the first goal all season, whereas um, uh, where, whereas we've we've won um, uh, we've we've won all but two of the games where we've scored the first goal, and uh, and one of those where we didn't. Uh, the, the only one we've lost after scoring the first goal was at St Andrews. Um, although I have to say, you have the referee a little bit to thank for that one because that was the most appalling penalty decision. <laughs> that penalty decision, yeah, wasn't fantastic. Yeah, dr was it? <laughs> dreadful. But yeah, um, it, it's the same. It's always the same with Albion. Whoever scores the first goal is massively in the driving seat because we're so bad after conceding the first goal and we're so good after scoring the first goal I, I i trust us to start fast we started fast against wolves in in the cup um and looked really really good early on and to be honest if we were against the lesser side i think we'd have probably gone ahead the way we started i think we'll i trust us to do the same we're very very good at the hawthorns at, at uh, no team in the efl has picked up more points at home since corbran took charge of albion i'll, I'll go 2-1 to the baggies <laughs> but it's always reliant on us scoring the first goal wonderful thank you very much uh, it's been great speaking to you sam and chris thank Thank you very much for coming on. No problem. Thank you. A reminder that we have two live and exclusive EFL commentaries right here for you on TalkSport 2 this weekend. Uh, first is tomorrow evening as Bristol City host promotion Chasers Leeds. That kicks off at 8pm. And then on Sunday from midday, we have live and exclusive commentary from the Riverside as Sunderland travel to Middlesbrough. A big game in the playoff race right here on TalkSport 2. You can listen to the Fan Network show every Thursday evening at 6pm here on TalkSport 2, whilst EFL All Access is every Monday evening at 6pm. If you miss any of our shows, you can listen back on the TalkSport app, and we're also available as a podcast, which you can download from your go-to podcast provider. Just search the EFL All Access feed.